back to Weird Comics History. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And we like to bring you some weird comics history every week on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast. The new truncated URL. Very exciting for everybody, I'm sure. Certainly. This week we want to talk about a death in the family, but we're not going to talk about Jim and Eric's dad. We're going to talk about a new Robin for a new era, and his name was Jason Todd. I didn't even know he was sick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jason was so nice that we met him twice. That's right. <laughs> we met him before and after the crisis. Um, initially, uh, we met him uh, in Batman number 357. Mm-hmm. And stop me if you heard this before, his parents were circus performers. Mm. And uh, they, uh, they met their end, but we'll get there. Um, <laughs> his parents were Joseph and Trina Todd, and uh, his mother uh, was, a, was a plucky individual who was able to figure out that Bruce Wayne was, in fact, Batman. Mm. And uh, during a caper to uh, bring down Killer Croc, who was extorting several of the circuses in the area, they uh, both wound up getting eaten by Crocs at yeah. the uh, Gotham Zoo. A little different and, than the Zuko murder of the Graysons, but, you know, same yeah, kind no, of Yeah, no kind camper chappies, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jason Todd, uh, he just joins Batman as Robin, uh, pretty cut and dry. Uh, he had himself some uh, strawberry blonde hair that he dyed black, and uh, we were uh, discussing the reasons why they, they were in such a rush to bring a, bring a Robin back to the, uh, to the dynamic duo uh, earlier. Yeah, and uh, we figured it was probably just something that that you know corporate wanted. Yeah, well, I think Warner Brothers said you know his image is on a lot of our water bottles and bed sheets, and uh, you got to have them. There are no two ways about it. And he had a, a superpowers action figure as well. That's true. That that actually probably had a lot to do with it, also, right in that very mm-hmm. same year. So uh, you know, he came back, same exact suit, really visually looking. No different. He even had the same stupid haircut that no one has had since <laughs> since 1940. Yes, uh, and, the, and the short pants. But uh, then Crisis on Infinite Earths happened in 1985, and everything got revamped, and the whole universe, DC universe, got a lot darker, and people got some new origins, including Jason Todd, who was introduced in Batman number 408. He was the son of parents Willis Todd, who was a criminal, and at that time his mother was unknown, but he believed she was Catherine Todd. And uh, Jason Todd was in Fagin's School for Boys, Fagun, but also in a play on the Oliver Twist character, Fagin, who uh, led children to pickpocket and commit small crimes. And that's what this oh. school was doing, was training... Almost certainly, yes. <laughs> yeah. This, this school was training orphans to commit crimes, which is a brilliant idea, frankly. I don't know why I haven't done that myself. And that's a great uh, idea. in the middle of a uh, heist to steal jewels for the Joker or something to that effect... Uh, Jason Todd foils their plans, and Batman figures that's good enough. Uh, actually, I, I missed an entire part where he first meets Jason Todd trying to rip off the wheels on his Batmobile. Yes. Uh, one of the most uh, very striking images cover, from that yes. time, yeah, on the, the cover, and even within, I can even remember the panel within <laughs> the comic. But So that's how he keeps tabs on Jason, and then he's able to. See him in action, figures he's uh, live and athletic enough and he's got the right color hair. And uh, <laughs> he adopts him. All right, he becomes a son of Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. And uh, relatively, you know, because he is raised partly to be a criminal and he was ripping off tires, he's a much more violent, angry Robin than yes, the Yes, he's very, very means, to, means to the end, yeah. And uh, pretty much right away, people did not cotton to him. They, they found him to be pretty unlikable. 
but yeah, he's rather abrasive, yeah. and. Uh, he, like we were saying, he's very means to an end here. There was even controversy on whether or not he uh, he committed murder during a uh, during one of their uh, patrols. Uh, there was a woman who was raped a number of times. Who, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, she tried to kill herself to uh, to escape her rapist. And uh, he was uh, chased up to the roof of a building and uh, quote unquote fell off. Uh. Um, and when Batman asked the new Robin what went on up there, he just said, eh, he slipped. Yeah. So, uh, very and, like, uh, and very like tight lipped about it too. He was yes. sort of like, you know, looking away, not, not looking in Batman's eyes. So there was mm-hmm. definitely some uh, controversy there about how dark it would get. He sort of did the, played the old, I don't, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Yeah. Christian Bale Gambit. Uh, so anyway, we're going to take you to the world of the late 1980s. The Berlin Wall has fallen, and uh, George Bush is president. And uh, the 900 number, which is also a beat by Mark the 45 King that I sent Chris earlier this week. Yes. Uh, but 900 numbers were all the rage. Everyone was had a 900 number. Everyone was calling 900 numbers. And uh, Chris and I remembered a couple of good ones. Uh, I remembered... Santa Claus as a youth, I think you remember that. Yes, also. absolutely. Yeah, he was a he was a staple into the middle of February. <laughs> I mean, oh <it's>, yeah, <laughs> and uh, I remember hearing stories about how he talked very very slow. Definitely, I, as I recall, <laughs> it actually started before Halloween. Uh, yes, if, yeah. if not, if not, definitely like right after, and you could call Santa, and I and I talked to him. And he would be, ho, ho, ho. Thanks for... Also, those recordings were almost always, they all sounded like they, they happened in like a subway station. You know, I don't <laughs> understand like why it was like these, these weird, almost inaudible, you know, echoey recordings. That's so uh, you'd have to call back to make sure you heard it all right. That's right, yeah. I got that right. Does Santa really love me? Uh, after, after a kid in California ran up a $17,000 bill... To Santa Claus, outgoing 900 number calls were made blockable. Yeah, they hadn't been blockable on uh, on home phones yet until until that came down. I guess either the FCC or the FTC. I get those confused all the time. Uh, get uh, got involved. They uh, they were actually made blockable. Yeah, uh, as I recall, you really couldn't. You know, blocking numbers not a thing that you did back in those days. You'd have to be a, a victim of a stalker. I mean, I guess it could be done, but. Uh... Yeah. It wasn't as accessible. It, it as wasn't. It. I mean, now you can just press a button and never hear from someone ever again. You know, thanks, Absolutely. mom. But uh, <laughs> another another one I remember, and I, I called this one myself. My brother loved it, and I'm sure Eric would have loved it if he had been uh, around at that time or uh, able to make those calls. Was Freddy Krueger, who yeah. would uh, speak his Krugerese to you and basically be scary and blather on. And I, I don't really quite remember what. That yeah, was. there's nothing better than calling someone who's, tell, who's going to tell you they're going to kill you in your sleep. Exactly. <laughs> pleasant, I probably pleasant dreams. You know, that was when he signed off everyone. Uh, cannot forget the pornography and party lines. Those were huge. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, I, if you were, I think yeah, if you were awake at uh, after, any time after 11 o'clock, every commercial break, you were bombarded, bombarded by these nights. Oh, yeah. And, and there was a magazine, High Society, that seemed to like, subsist totally on these 900 numbers they were just constantly <laughs> and, and and people need, need to understand like there were numbers nowadays you call I guess you have a credit card and you talk to a, a woman and she talks porno back then it was all recorded so it was all, it was a one-sided conversation with a woman talking about what she wanted to do to you you know it was really really bizarre uh, <laughs> but I guess that's you get your kicks whatever way you can and believe me I got my kicks back then doing that that was all part of growing up and then the fourth one something I had forgotten 
that you remembered, yeah. which is huger than all these things. Yeah, the psychic hotline. It's right. Dionne Warwick and her psychic friends. Oh, boy. Yeah, the, that was, uh, and then you had uh, Miss Cleo who wanted you to call me now, mm-hmm. and, and uh, they would uh, they would tell you your future. It would never be them. It would be you know some of their accredited of psychics that would speak with you. But uh, and and I don't I don't think that uh, that old Dion actually purported purported herself to be a uh, psychic. No, but uh, but, but, but it's definitely know. implied that she used the line. Yes, she was a fan, and and you know it's funny I. Uh, I recently saw a commercial with a Tory Spelling trying to sell one, really? like just this week. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I guess she puts all of her psychic findings on online somewhere. Wow. But uh, yeah, my wife watches a lot of uh, soap operas that we that we DVR, and uh, and yeah, she popped up. <laughs> wow. I guess the old tricks are still you know still the best. If it yeah, ain't broke, yeah. don't fix it, right? Just keep uh, sure. keep fleecing the public, uh, yeah, Miss Cleo. Well, she was sued by the FCC and the FTC for fraud, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, hopefully she's out there somewhere fleecing people to this day. I'm sure. So in this atmosphere, out comes A Death in the Family, uh, a miniseries by Jim Starlin and drawn by Jim Aparo. Uh, I think that was probably Jim Aparo's last best work, personally, but that's me edit- editorializing mm. a little bit. Um, in this story, Joker kidnaps Jason's real mom, Sheila, and holds her hostage. There was a there, really the backbone of this story was Jason was looking for his real mom. Yeah, and she he narrows it down to three or four women. I can't remember. I don't remember the exact number, but yeah, there was a. I think there he, was a I think few he narrowed it to four, but he hits Sheila on the third. <laughs> that was the thing. So he sees a couple other women that don't fit the bill first. Finally, he meets Sheila, who's living out in the Middle East, uh, supposedly helping, uh, I guess, refugees and indigent people. But it turns out that she is double, she's a double agent uh, Mm -hmm. working for the Joker, who is out there being, it was actually sort of interesting because he had just gotten out of prison and he was looking to buy nuclear weapons from terrorists. Yeah, uh, something that is like a hot hot button news item today, you know. Yeah, oddly prescient. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, uh, and of course we can't forget that it was in uh, Biali, that wonderful <laughs> nation Biala, state of yeah. Biali. Biali, you know, I always love that. Yeah, the Queen Bee. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going to just uh, continue on here that uh, that Jason uh, attempts to uh, rescue his mother, and uh, receives a, a, a pummeling with a crowbar for his troubles. Multi panel pummeling. Uh, brutal, absolutely centered brutal. on the Joker, but that mm-hmm. makes it more brutal. Yes, because we're getting like we're almost getting Jason's it. view. Yeah, yeah. You, you feel like you're getting beaten, and then your <laughs> mind fills in the damage. And then when you do see J- Jason, he looks messed up. Oh, he's a mess. Uh, yeah, and this is something people sometimes I, either they don't know or they've forgotten is that this was before the death. Like th- this, this part was going to happen. Regardless, Regardless of any of what was going to go on later, Joker just beat the living holy hell out of Robin. Had Robin lived, he would have definitely had to go through some uh, sort of trauma. A lot, yeah, and, a lot of and, PT. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he uh, they, there's an explosion, right? Well, uh, before that, you know, there's he, he leaves a bomb, and <laughs> Jason is crawling over, bloodied and, and battered, to go defuse the bomb, and that's essentially where DC left it. For yeah. us is uh, whether to determine his fate does Jason live or die, and so there was one day of voting, September fifteenth to sixteenth, and for fifty cents a call, you could dial nine hundred seven two zero two six six zero, and Jason lives, 
Or you could dial 900-720-2666, which you know up at the office, DC offices, they were patting themselves on the back and giving each other (laughs) high fives over that one. Uh, That was if you wanted Jason to die. Uh, Jason Living got 5,271 votes. Jason Dying got 5,343 votes, only 72 votes more. Um, So that was 10,614 calls total. For five thousand three hundred and seven dollars in nine hundred number gold, <laughs> it, and you know when I uh, when I first heard about this story, it was before you know it was I was I was still very young at the time, and uh, when I heard the outcome, I assumed that it was like a mandate, like it's ten thousand to like fifty. Yeah, you know, kill Jason. But to find out that it's only seventy two votes it's, that separated them. Yeah, it it it's, almost it almost seems like. Uh, Something cruel might have happened here, you know. <laughs> but uh, that was it. You know, the, the public had spoken, as uh, DC claimed, and uh, Jason died and did not come back for many, many years, as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, other interesting point is that this was published uh, right a year after, I believe, the uh, Alan Moore and Brian Boland's uh, The Killing Joke. Yeah, it was at the end of 88, where The Killing Joke happened in the spring of 88. Okay, so yeah, it was right in the same year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that one also had its own, you know, Barbara Gordon gets crippled. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, that became a lasting feature for Barbara Gordon. Uh, so not a good time to be a bat sidekick. <laughs> no, so, no, not at all. Sort of rough in the world of Batman. You know, you can see why <laughs> things got a little grimmer for her as he went on. So who killed Jason, Chris? That's the question we have here. Well, I mean, we got two. We have a, we have, you know, we've got two options here. Either the fans actually did kill him, mm-hmm. or uh, or DC, they already had it in the works here. And uh, you know, uh, it, with how close it was, and, and you know, there there was another, uh, there was a page drawn That's right. by Aparo, where uh, where he did survive the blast. So, uh, like Batman is. Basically carrying him the same way he would have, but he there's a bubble that says he's alive. Yes, and uh, it's a celebratory end, but uh, with a probably a really big hospital bill afterwards. Yeah, but uh, they uh, they actually included that um, in 2006's Detective Comics Annual Number 25, which was around the time they decided to bring him back. And uh, also in, in all the, I think all the subsequent uh, reprintings of Death in the Family include that page now, just as a as an Easter egg or whatever. Yeah. And uh, there was a rumor on uh, Newsarama by Judd Winnick, the fellow who brought him back, uh, officially brought him back, I suppose, in that, uh, in that uh, what was that, Under the Red Hood storyline. Um, he said that uh, he'd heard that one fellow programmed his computer to dial the thumbs down number every 90 seconds for eight hours. Yeah. So that gave the, let's, you know, let's kill the boy uh, another 320 votes. Than it would have had before, which would have cost that guy 160 bucks as well. Yeah. So. Uh, which was something in the 88 dollars. I want you to. Yeah, know. That's... that was nowadays. That's like practically a can of Pepsi, but uh, <laughs> that was a lot of money back then. You know, and and it, and it definitely would have swayed the vote, even though it's yeah. a little overboard. You know, but. Uh, it, yeah, it definitely it was a difference maker. Sure. If that's true, it, uh, it very well you know, pushed it over. If it's true, if it's if true it's at all, true. yeah. I mean, because there was also a, a contrasting rumor at the time that Judd Winnick 
Yeah, the Judd Winnick called to save him several yeah. dozens of times. So, I mean, that's uh, that was one of the rumors that was going around then, too. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, I kind of lean towards, you know, they, they were, for at least for this story, they were leaving the choice in the fans' fans' hands. Um, I don't know how much longer they would have kept Jason around because, you know, he was he was deriled. I mean, he, they, the, 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 he was abrasive. He... You know, yeah, you I, don't have a Robin who you know sneaks around the corner to go smoke cigarettes. It I'm just a, doesn't just doesn't fit. I'm on the other so side. So I think that yeah, while he, oh, go ahead. I'm on the other hmm, side. Yeah. I think I think uh, DC well, was going to kill him all along. Hmm. Uh, pretty much everyone hated him <laughs> within DC and outside of DC. Frank Miller already referenced him as being dead in The Dark Knight Returns, which I think got the ball rolling. Yeah, to, and I uh, think that got a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of fists in the yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jim Starlin wrote him as a complete douchebag that everyone hated. Doug Mensch pretty much refused to even use him, and Denny O'Neill, who was the editor for mm. by Batman at the time, uh, was pretty vocal about how much he was unliked uh, mm-hmm. and didn't do a whole lot to rehabilitate him. So yeah, I think it, I think it was a fait accompli from the beginning. I think that the you know, the, the 900 number gave the fans a semblance of feeling involved, and they made five grand, but... Yeah, that, that $500 in gold. Yeah, beyond that, they, uh, <laughs> I, think, I think this Robin was going to be killed anyway, and then, as we know, had to be brought back because of Warner Brothers, but that's yeah. another story. Yeah, uh, and uh, like, like, we were, like we were hinting at here, there was a, the story was undone. Um, they, uh, they. I remember that. I remember reading through the Hush storyline, the uh, Loeb and Lee yeah. uh, Hush storyline. That was like one of uh, Dan DeDio's first like big successes when he came on. Was was that storyline? And uh, there was an issue that uh, ended with the apparent return of uh, Jason Todd. Yeah. Um, it was ultimately, you know, they figured that it was a uh, Clayface in disguise to uh, you know kind of mess with Batman. But uh, there which, was which uh, then was later shown to be. Clayface subbing in, yeah, for Jason taking... Todd in the middle of the fight, which which really was. Now you're losing the plot here, fellas. You know, like <laughs> come on, <laughs> yes. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, that's comic books for you, folks. Yeah, I mean, the, his his resurrection was due to Superboy Prime punching reality. Yeah, oh, bless that punch. <laughs> that punch, boy, woo, change everything. Yep, he punched reality, and then Jason punched his way out of his casket. That's right, and uh, he came back, and you know, I, I'll tell you. For a long time, uh, Jason Todd was sort of not a great character in the DCU when he was brought back, the Red Hood, uh, yeah. to, to varying degrees. You know, the, the Under the Red Hood story is not a horrible story, but sort of didn't know what to do with him. But I must say, if, you, if there's any uh, positives for people coming out of the New 52, is that Jason Todd character was totally rehabilitated and made something unique and... Likeable. Likeable. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, some, something you want to follow and you actually do root for sometimes, which is a pretty big feat since everyone has pretty much hated him for like 30 years before that or 25 years before that. He uh, was written off for quite a long time, yeah. Even the venerable Denny O'Neill, he was quoted as having said that it would be a really sleazy stunt to bring Jason <laughs> back. And let me tell you, in comic books, there is no such limit to the sleaze. So Yeah, yeah the, the, sleaze, the sleaze limit's pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, you had a you had a final question here. Yeah, do you think that this kind of a stunt, uh, whether it was worked or shoot, uh, would work in this contemporary comics landscape where most of the information is communicated through the internet? I think you would get a m- much bigger response. 
I don't think but would it be legit. Yeah. No, I, no. There's no way you'd be able to. There's no way you'd be able to charge. But you think it would be a legit type of. Uh, but I mean, because we have this fellow here who called yeah. 320 times. I'm sure there's people who can click a click a tweet button 450 yeah, yeah. times. I, I, mean, uh, I, I could do that. You know what I mean? It's certainly. Setting up different accounts and whatever. Like this is now. It's not exactly. You don't have to be a phone freaker to do it. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it would. Uh, or, or if they did, it would be purely for the show. You know, there, yeah. there'd be no debate that the decision would have to have been made beforehand because how could you get an accurate count of anything? No, it no, would I be mean, impossible. We, we, we can't we can't vote for president well enough in this country. I know. <laughs> let, alone, yeah. let alone that. I mean, uh, it's a. And I think. I think. One of the problems is that the fandom's just a little bit too close to the industry now. I think so too. Where I mean, and no matter if they, if if it was you know, say during Forever Evil, it's like okay, you call this number, we'll kill Nightwing. You call this one, we don't. And no matter what answer they got, there would have been there would have been too much follow up yeah. to actually have it go forward. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. I think people would have been you know. Screaming one way or the other, and they would have been screaming directly at people's Twitter accounts or whatever, or sending yes. emails. I mean, it's just just too easy to communicate nowadays to make it a commodity, the way a nine hundred number used to be. So yeah. uh, I I think that probably not that that couldn't happen, but it, it would be interesting to do something. You know, fan involvement is always something these guys strive to achieve. Mm-hmm. So that pretty much wraps up the story of Jason Todd and the 900 number that maybe killed him, maybe didn't kill him. <laughs> it's uh, still up for debate as far as I'm concerned. If you want to write to us and tell us uh, where we went wrong and you want to correct us, you can write to us at Care of This Podcast at WeirdScienceDCComics at gmail.com. And if you want to tweet at us directly, you can tweet at me at Reggie Reggie. Yeah, and I'm at uh, Ace Comics on Twitter. And uh, do not forget to read uh, Chris's uh, incredible blog, Chris is at infraearths.blogspot.com. Still doing a review a day, right? You haven't missed a day yet? Yeah, I'm, try- I'm, I'm closing in on that 100-day mark, and then who knows where we go from there. I mean, I, I, didn't I, want, I, I wanted at, to do 100 in a row. <laughs> I looked at an old one. I think, I think it, was, it was not your most recent one, but it was uh, Superman and the Quick Bunny. Yes. And that was, yes, that was incredible. I vaguely remembered that cover. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how I would have seen it though, because that wasn't a, on the rack, was it? No, there was so, no, there was no price on it. Yeah. If you want, if you want to enjoy some nostalgia or some freakouts, you got to go check out this uh, his website. And uh, until next week, we'd like everyone to keep it weird historically. You have anything else to say, Chris? No, I think we're good. Thanks for listening. So long, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>